So are we doing well tonight? We're doing good? Good. Good. Uh, as Kelly mentioned, my name is Andy. I, if you don't know me, if you've never met me, my name is Andy, and I'm one of the life group leaders here. Uh, yeah. And, and it's fun to lead a life group, but it's also fun for me to preach. It's, it's a privilege. It's a joy for me. It's uh, a blessing, and, and I'm excited for it. And I am excited for what the Lord is going to teach us tonight. Uh, because I get to be up here and just talk about his love, his goodness, and I get to brag about our good and loving God. Um, and I just wanted to say, uh, he's here tonight. He's here. He's been here. Uh, and then as that song we sang earlier, uh, when he walks into the room, everything changes. And so he's already here. He's already walked into the room. And so things are going to change tonight. Um, so like Kelly said, we're starting a, a series, a new series called Relationology. And, and each week we're going to look at a different relationship and how Jesus, how the Word, and how his gospel affects each of those relationships. And, and tonight I get the privilege of talking about our most primary relationship as Christ followers, and that is our relationship with God. And it's definitely the most important, and it's the most meaningful, and it's going to affect all of our other relationships. And for some reason, as I was preparing this message this week, uh, there was an event in my life that happened seven months ago that just kept coming back into my mind, um, which it often does, but it was for this message. And it, that was my wedding day. Um, yes. Uh, and I had gotten up that morning, and the first thing I did when I got up was I went with some of my groomsmen to Krispy Kreme. Um, yeah. You know, why not? It's my wedding day, and I wanted to go to Krispy Kreme. Um, and so, and then, and then, so once we went to Krispy Kreme, we came back to, we came back here, because that's where we got married, not in here, but over there. Um, and so we're started getting ready, me and all my groomsmen, we're getting ready, and we're taking pictures, and we're doing interview for my wedding video. Uh, and then, uh, as things are starting to calm down, things are relaxing a little bit, I get a, a little bit of free time. Uh, and in that moment, I get a gift. Uh, and this gift is from my wife. Yeah. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about relationship and our relationship with God. And, and this gift showed me, it overwhelmed me with love. And what this gift was, do you guys want to know what it was? Okay, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to be like Michael. Um, uh, So what what my wife did was she collected letters for me. And she collected letters from my friends, from people I was leading, from my parents, from my brother, from her parents, from, and then lastly, from her. And one by one, I read the letters, I opened the letters and read them, and I was completely overwhelmed by the love of people. My, my friends called me loyal and faithful. My family said that they were proud of me. Uh, my in-laws said that they could not imagine a better man to marry their daughter. And lastly, my wife, she said um, a lot of things, but basically... To encapsulate it, she just said that she loved me deeply. 
and I was an answer to prayer. And it's a good thing I'm not a female and don't wear makeup because I would have been an absolute mess. Um, because it would have been brutal. Uh, but I was completely astonished and astounded by the love that people have for me. I was overwhelmed by the love of people. And tonight, my hope and my prayer is that tonight you get overwhelmed by the love of God. Because he loves you deeply and he loves you dearly. And I, I, my hope is that the Holy Spirit takes my words, takes my message, and brings it to life. And brings the love from the Father to you. So that uh, you just get completely overwhelmed by his love, that his love is lavished and poured out on you. And that's what I want tonight. That's what I want us to be shocked by the goodness and the love of God. Uh, because as we're talking about relationship with God tonight, it's this whole relationship is about grace and it's about love. And so that's really a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we're here gathered in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we, we love you and we worship you. And we just want to open our hearts and our minds and all that we are to you. We thank you that you're already here and we thank you that you're going to proclaim your love tonight. And would your love pierce the hearts of many and bring life and renewal to hearts that are hurting and in pain. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so tonight, like I've said, we're going to be talking about relationship with God. Uh, but there, it's going to be in two parts. The first half is going to be uh, how God relates to us, his love for us. And then the second half is going to be about how we kind of reciprocate that, how we respond and, and our love in response to him. Uh, and, and here's why this is important. Because especially as the first topic on the table for this series, Relationology, if we identify our relationship with God in a healthy, clear, a true manner, it's going to positively affect all other relationships. And when we talk about how to have healthy friendships, when we talk about how to have healthy dating relationships or, or healthy uh, relationships with our family, it all stems from our relationship with God. Every single one of them. Whether we like it or not, whether we believe in God or not, it honestly, a lot of it stems from our view of God and, and what he's like. Um, and, and so uh, I'm going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, I would always at this point have you guys open up your Bibles. Uh, the passage might be on the screen, something like that. Uh, and there's absolutely a value in opening up your Bibles. Uh, but I, as I was getting ready for this week, I just felt like, the Lord wanted to do something a little different. Uh, and so, there's not going to be any slides, the, at least the first half of this. There's not going to be any slides. There's not going to be any uh, scripture. Or, or there's going to be scripture, but not, not have you opening up your Bibles. And because what, it, what I want is I want you guys to relax. I want you guys to take a deep breath. I don't know where you guys have been this week. I don't know where you guys have come from, what you've dealt with in this past week or, or even today but I want you just to relax and just receive the love of the Lord. Um, and, and often, actually, the early church would have the word of God spoken, and people didn't have copies 
of, that not everyone had a Bible. And so they would just listen and receive. And there's something powerful about just hearing and listening to the spoken word uh, of God. And so uh, you guys can go ahead and close your eyes really quick. Uh, so just, I'm about to read uh, a verse from the Gospel of John, but I want you guys to just calm your minds. Try not to focus on the things that bothered you. Try and fix your eyes on Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come and breathe your peace on us. Come and breathe your rest on us. Now hear the words of King Jesus spoken to you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now another version. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. And another version. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me with. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And one last time. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. All right. I'm done. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, But really, that's what it's all about tonight. It's about abiding and remaining in his love. And and Jesus loves you just as the Father loves him. And now we read that verse and we're like, okay, that's cool. I know that like Jesus, the Son of God and the Father and the triune God, like they love each other really a lot. And Jesus loves us the same way. Cool. I've heard it before. That's pretty cool. Uh, But I don't think we really get it. I don't think we really, when we think about it, when we just let this kind of muster a little bit, um, it's huge. Uh, I mean, it's an infinite love. It's a love between the triune God. It, it's, it's a love that's never ashamed. It's a love that's always, always existed. It's never had a beginning because it's always been there. It, it, it's, it's a love that before God painted the skies, with stars and clouds, it existed. Before God hand-wove the earth into existence, this love between the Father and the Son existed. And Jesus is now saying that he loves you in the same manner, in the same way. And so, may we never just read this passage the same again. May we never just run over this passage like, oh yeah, Jesus loves me. No, there's big truth here. It's absolutely insane stuff. And it's beautiful stuff. It's amazing and wonderful. And it's something that we can rest in. And so I'm going to keep on reading what this passage is saying uh, in John. And it says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And just as as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you know that Jesus wants your joy to be complete? That he doesn't want to steal your joy? 
And Jesus wants you to understand his love for you is so that your joy can be complete. And I want to break a lie right now that's really common. I think I read that verse and we, we see, uh, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. And for me, I think, uh-oh, I don't keep your commands all the time, Lord, so I must not remain in your love. Especially when I'm at work, I have a really bad attitude at work. So when I'm at work, I'm definitely not in your love. But that's not what Jesus is saying at all here. Like literally the verse before, he just said he loves you the way he, the Father loves him. It means it's an internal, unfailing, all these amazing things that would describe this kind of love. And there's nothing that you have ever done nor could ever actually do to stop, you from love, from, stop God from loving you. And if you don't believe me, if you don't take my word for it, that's okay. I'm just going to read the Bible. <laughs> um, which says in Romans 8, uh, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present, present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter what, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to fight that, you can take it up with the Bible. I don't think it's going to work. Um, and Jesus' love for us is so, like I said before, it's so that our joy can be complete. He's not out to steal our joy. And I think the biggest way that Jesus not only shows his love through the words that he's spoken, but he also showed it through his actions. His actions backed up what he said. I mean, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, loved you enough to become man. So, God, the, Jesus, was willing to become man. He was worshipped for all eternity with angels singing to him, saying, holy, 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 with incense burning. The, the fragrance and the aroma of that throne room has got to be absolutely indescribable. And, and the majesty seen, the, the majesty heard, must be just amazing. But the Son of God was willing to leave that to come to earth as a man for you and for me. He became man because he loved us. He loved us enough and he wanted us enough in his relationship. Uh, he wanted us enough that in, he in all of his majesty and, and glory, he would be willing to become one of us in all of our messiness so that he could fulfill a task that we could never fulfill, that we've always tried to fulfill, but have always fallen short of. And he became the offering on our behalf. He loved you enough to be beaten for you. He loved you enough to be whipped for you. He loved you enough to be crucified for you. And he loved you enough to be rejected for you. He, he was rejected, so you don't have to be. And he did it simply just because he loves us. It was love and grace and mercy that were his driving forces. And he did it because of love. And then he rose from the grave and he conquered death, sin, Satan, all of it. And he ascended to the right hand of God, 
the Father, to be an advocate for us, an advocate of love for us. And Jesus was willing to suffer and give up his life for us simply because he loved us. And I know I'm repeating myself a lot here, and I'm doing it intentionally. He did it because he wants a relationship with me and with you. Not some ethereal, in-your-head relationship, but a true, intimate, personal relationship. And he knew that this cross was the way to make that happen. This suffering was the way to make that happen. And, and if you ever want to read more about how God loves you, read the book of 1 John. And it's, such a, it's really such a good book of the Bible. And 1 John says that God is love. And love is who God is. That, that just describes him, one of the many ways to describe him. And, and he doesn't know how not to love. It's just kind of weird to think about because we as humans are really good at not loving people. But he doesn't know how to not love, which is pretty mind-blowing. Like that's literally what he knows to do, is to love people. And he doesn't want to change. He likes being that way. He likes being loving, and he likes loving you. It's not a burden for me to love my wife. It's my joy and my privilege, and I, and I love to love my wife. And in the same way, but in an infinitely greater way, in an infinitely greater magnitude, God loves loving you. It's his joy and it's his pleasure because he loves to love you. And so what I would say to you is let him love you. So often we think we can't be loved. So often we think I don't deserve this love. But it's his joy and his pleasure. Are you really going to try and take away God's joy and pleasure? So let your relationship be centered around his love, not your deeds, not your actions but his love. So I'm going to crush and demolish some lies right now, which are fun for me. Uh, so some of you have heard in your head either one or some or, or all of these. And, and just it's, the reason is, is just like we have a loving father who, who tells us how much he loves us and, and how much he, he cares about us. We have an enemy who wants to stop us from hearing those things and wants, to he, wants us to hear the opposite things. You've heard things. These are some of the lies that you may have or may not have not heard. Uh, but some of these things are, you can't control yourself, so God can't love you. You have uncontrollable sexual desire. God is ashamed of you. You're a slut. How could God love you? No one's loved you before. Why would God be any different? Not even your parents care about you. Why would God care about you? You're so worthless, God doesn't want to waste his time on you. You're a lost cause. Just give up. You're such a mess up. You're so ugly. You'll never amount to anything. Just give up because God's not on your side. And there is one thing in common with all of these things that I just said. And they're all lies. Every single one of those things. 
None of those things is how God thinks of you or sees you. They're spoken to you to stop you from receiving his love. And the truth is clear, that God is love. We, that was just in First John. God is love. And Jesus loves you just the way the Father loves him. And so here's, in an opposite manner, some truths for you. You are treasured by God. You are loved, and you're beautiful in his sight. You're worth his time, and you're worth his life. You're worth every bruise, broken bone, every piercing. You're worth it to him. You're unique to him, and you're one of a kind. And he calls you his precious little girl, his little princess. And he calls you his kingly son, the heir to his throne. And these are the truth, and these are the way God loves you, and these are how he views you. And so I hope that as I proclaim these things, that something inside of you is starting to rise up, that you're starting to experience and feel the love of God and starting to break past and break through all the lies that you've been told. And just like I was talking about those letters that I got, and I was overwhelmed by the love of God, that people would call me faithful and loyal, and they were proud of me, and they loved me. And God says the same thing to you, that you're faithful, you're loyal. He's proud of you. God is proud of you. I don't think we often believe that. And you probably in your head right now are maybe even thinking, God can't think about me that way. That's not possible. Or I just don't, I'm not, I don't do those things. So I'm not, I'm not faithful and loyal, so he can't say that about me. But God sees the true you. He sees you in your fullest potential. And, and as one of my favorite teachers, and he says it with an English accent, which I can't do, but he says, God said it, so that jolly well settles it. Um, and so going back to 1 John 1 John also says that we love because he first loved us and so like I said every good relationship stems from our relationship with God from the love that God has for us and we are able to love because God first loved us and so now we're going to talk about we're going to transition into we were talking about how God loves us now we're going to transition into how are we loving God how do we do do that, kind of some of that stuff. And I think that verse captures it well, that we, for, we love because he first loved us. Um, and so that being said, um, the question is fairly obvious. Well, how do we love God? Um, okay, I, I mean, in a very simple way, you can just ask the question, well, how do we love people? How do we get closer to people? How do you get closer to, the, to God? Well, you get to know people better by spending time with them. Have you ever noticed that when you start to talk to someone, when you start to hang out with someone long enough, you start to talk like them or act like them? It happens all the time, and you catch it too. You hear yourself say a phrase, and you're like, oh my gosh, I spent way too much time with that person. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so if you want to become more like Jesus, then the answer is fairly simple. We just need to spend more time with him. Uh, and with the time that we have remaining, 
uh, I want to basically talk about how I'm going to try and convince you that the best way you can possibly spend your time is by being with Jesus. The best investment you could ever make for your relationships outside of your relationship with God, the best investment you could make for those relationships is spending time with Jesus. So to get some, I've heard it this way and I use it this way because I like it. I don't like quiet time. I like FaceTime, um, meeting with God face to face. Um, yeah, like Moses did. And I, and I like that a lot. Um, and so I believe the biggest hindrance, at least for me, I'm a millennial, so I get to, I think I can kind of speak for us a little bit. Uh, I think the biggest hindrance is we grew up thinking that God is harsh with us and he's condemning. And we don't want to spend time with someone like that. If he's like that, we don't want to spend time with him. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is he's loving and he's gentle. I, I cannot tell you or describe to you the gentleness and kindness of God that I've seen. And when he wants to deal with a problem, he's not going to be harsh about it or, or, or condemning. That's just not who he is. So often we're scared to go pray or to read our Bible because we think, okay, if I go to read my Bible, it's just going to show me another thing that I suck at and I really don't want to deal with that right now. I'm already not in a happy place. I don't need to be told I suck at something else. But that's not how God wants a relationship with us. He, like I said, he's not harsh and he's not condemning. He's loving, he's gentle. There's no need for fear of punishment and there's no need for fear of condemnation. When he wants to deal with a problem, he'll do it lovingly and gently. And Romans, the book of Romans actually says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the condemnation. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And like I've said, Jesus doesn't want to spend time with you to condemn you. He wants to spend time with you so he can love you. I'm going to say that again. Jesus wants to spend time with you so he can love you. He has dreams and plans for you that he wants to talk to you about. He wants to tell you about. And it's so easy for us to forget about his love for us and to not respond in love. And, and there's so many scriptural examples of this. And, and I think I'm going to just use one tonight really quick. And it's from Revelation 2, verses 3 to 5. And it says this. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at at first. But this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. How often do we abandon our first love? As Christ followers, Jesus is our first love. How often do we abandon him? We've believed the lie that he's harsh, that he's condemning, that he's not good, that he's not loving. So we turn to lesser loves, to other lovers. Uh, We believe the lie that following him, that spending time with him isn't in our best interest. And, And the Old Testament speaks about how we turn to lesser loves or to other lovers in a very clear yet really strong language. Um, So I hope to not offend anyone, but 
I'm just using the language that the Bible is using. But it says that the people, Israel, hoard after other gods. And it's really strong language. But where I think it clearly captivates, captures what we're doing and how God is, is viewing when we turn to other lovers. So where have we hoard after other gods? Where have I done it? Where have you done it? Because the truth is, is we have to fight. And I mean, it is a fight. As we all know, it is a fight and a battle, and it's bloody and brutal to fight for our first love. A tenacity, a warrior mentality has to rise up in you. That you're going to say, when every other thing pops in your mind or any other temptation or, or anything that's going to get in your way of relating to God in a true, clear, pure way, you have to let that warrior mentality rise up and say, nothing is going to get in my way of following Jesus. There needs to be a firmness and a strength to it. Not a fear, a strength that God puts in us by his Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, we're always going to have competing loves. While we're on this earth, we're always going to have competing loves. Uh, Five years from now, it's going to look different than what you got right now. And ten years from now, it's going to look different from five years from now. But there's always going to be those competing loves. And it's important to get right now so that we don't lose focus. It's important to get right now so that we can run the race well, so that we can live the rest of our life, the next 10, 20, 30, 80 years of our lives, wow, 80, um, years of our lives in a real way where we're living out the calling that God has on our lives. And my prayer is my, and my hope is that you don't just hear this message tonight uh, about and think, wow, God really does love me. and He treasures me. And wow, I really need to put Jesus first and he needs to be my first love. And then by Wednesday, you forget about it. You need to keep the battle in front of you and not just ignore it. And be willing to engage with the Lord about it and talk to him about it. Because love is a battle and we often have to fight for it. And as a culture, we're bad at staying in love. We're really bad at it. I mean, the divorce rate is 50%, around 50% for a reason. We're lazy. We don't want to, if, if something's not going our way, just throw it out onto the next thing. And, you know, it, it, there's a thing where, there, there's a place where we have to work, not for God's love, but for us to fight against other lovers. And so just like when I'm exhausted from a long day of doing work, working basically at 30 to 5 and then coming home doing schoolwork, and then there's dishes that need to be done, I have a choice. I have a choice to love my wife or not love her by not doing the dishes. (laughs) And I know that I have to fight the desire to make excuses and not love her in that moment because I know the best choice for me is to love and serve her by doing those freaking, unending, annoying dishes. <laughs> and just like I have to focus at continuing to strengthen my relationship with her, I have, we have to work at continuing to strengthen our relationship with God. It's not that he's not near us. He's always near us. 
He's always loving us. His love for us never changes. But it's, it's us that needs to draw near to him. And the truth is, is unless we make our relationship with God our top priority, we're not going to do anything about it. Unless we actually start to make a plan, we're not going to do anything about it. Um, I'm just going to end really quick with a story. Uh, and this story is about me uh, and me making a plan to spend time with God. So uh, when I started seminary in the fall, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to wake up at 5.30 every morning to go spend time with the Lord. And I don't want you guys to take what I'm about to share and be like, oh, I need to wake up at 5.30 every day. That's like what I need to do. But that's not what I'm asking you. Go before the Lord. There's a, maybe, I don't know, a hundred of you in here. There's going to be a hundred different, different plans in here. But just go before the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? How is the best way I can spend time with you? Where can I carve out time to be with you? But I'm, I'm sharing my story to encourage you because when you start to go into that plan, there's going to be spiritual opposition. Guarantee you, no doubt. When I started going to, going to wake up, I, was, I made the decision I'm going to wake up 5.30 every morning. That, let me start here. I can go to bed really easily. Like, I know that's a blessing and a gift, and I'm thankful for it. Like, if it, no, matter, no matter how tired I am, like if I'm wide awake, no matter what time of day it is, like it's middle of the day, sun's out, like give me 10 minutes, let me close my eyes, I'm out. No matter, like it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so I'm really good at sleeping. Um, and I, I wake up once every night to go to the bathroom, uh, but... I can, once I do that, I get back in bed and just fall asleep really fast. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but this first week where I decided, okay, I'm going to wake up at 5.30 every day, and I am not a morning person, FYI, hate mornings. Uh, but the Lord asked me to do this, so I was going to do it. So this first week that I was waking up at 5.30 in the morning, I could not go to bed. I could not sleep. I would wake up multiple times in the middle of the night, not be able to go back to bed. I don't remember, because it was a while back, I don't remember if I had bad dreams or not. I think I did. Uh, but it, it was literally getting ridiculous to where I was like, Lord, I know this is clearly something spiritual going on because this is not normal. Like, what, what is happening? Why are you letting this happen? And he just wanted to see how serious I was about being with him. Because I had to make the choice. Every morning when I woke up, I was like, do I want to spend time with him or do I want to sleep? Sleep sounds really good right now. Really, really good. But I wanted to be faithful to what the Lord had called me to. And now I can honestly say those mornings are the best parts of my day. And if I don't spend time with him in the morning, I can totally see the effects of it later in the day. 100%. And I'm content every morning to just be with him. Even if he doesn't speak, even if it's just silence, just to be with him. I can be with my wife and just be in silence. You can be with your best friend and just be in silence and be okay. It's the same thing with God. If he doesn't speak, it's okay. Just being with him is a place to be content in. And simply by being in relationship with him, by simply being with him, even if he doesn't speak anything, I'm changed. And as he changes me, as he changes us, as he changes you, 
as you become like him by being with him, this is going to affect all of our other relationships. So I'm excited for the next few weeks of these series uh, because it's, it's going to be fun to see how the Lord affects these other relationships by us focusing on our relationship with him. Um, so let's all remember uh, that all of our other relationships live off of our relationship with him. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. So if there's one thing I want you guys to remember from tonight, it's let's keep Jesus as our first love. Let's not forget our first love. And let's act like he's our first love. And let's make him a priority as our first love. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and lead us in some prayers. Jesus, you are our first love. We love you. We're confident in who you are. And Lord, we are sorry for going after other lovers. And just even in your mind right now, would you begin just telling the Lord you're sorry. If there's anything you've put in front of him, just tell him you're sorry for it. Lord, we're sorry. We come together as a community, as a, as a body. And we repent of putting other things before our relationship with you. But Lord, we know that you aren't harsh and you're not condemning. And it's your joy right now to receive these prayers of repentance. And it's your joy to give out forgiveness. And it's your pleasure to pour out your love on us. So Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We accept your forgiveness. And we thank you for who you are. And we just want to worship you. Because you're, you're good and you're with us. And you're loving and you're with us, but you don't, you're with us not in an unloving, angry manner. But you're with us in a loving, gentle, kind-hearted manner. And you are worthy of all worship, Lord. So we worship you together in faith. Holy Spirit, change our hearts. Remind us of the love of Jesus. Remind us of our own love for him. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and worship.